May it please the court, Judge Halbrooks and counsel. My name is Richard Kyle and I'm the chair of the committee for the, the advisory committee for the rules of criminal procedure. And I'm here today to speak in support of the committee's recommended amendments to the criminal rules surrounding the transcription of audio and video exhibits submitted as evidence. The committee recommends that, uh, recommends essentially two amendments are, are needed to clarify first that parties not be required by the district court to provide a transcript of the evidence as a prerequisite to the admissibility of its admissibility at trial. And second, if a case is appealed, that the court reporter be allowed to either elect to transcribe the video audio exhibits or in most cases require the party who submitted such an exhibit at trial to prepare that transcript. To understand the, the background of our uh, recommendation, I want to just touch base quickly on the history of the court record workgroup, because that's where this really starts. In June of 2018, the court record workgroup filed a report, which included a recommendation that the Judicial Council, that the Judicial Council should recommend to the Supreme Court, uh, both the advisory committees, the criminal rules and the appellate, civil appellate rules, that they discuss and consider establishing clear instructions for judges and court reporters about whether and how audio and video exhibits should be submitted as evidence uh, and whether they should be transcribed. Specifically, that report recommended that the committee review Minnesota Criminal Rule 9, 2802, Subdivision 9, and the Appellate Rule 110.02, and address concerns about the challenges to court reporters in transcribing audio and video exhibits, which, unlike hearings or trials, are not recorded in a controlled environment and are often difficult or impossible uh, to transcribe. I served on that uh, court record work group all 18 months, 12 meetings, uh, and my recollection is that this recommendation, which was one of seven, was added to the process late in the game, I think our last meeting, actually. But did it, it did address concerns of the judges on the committee and also court reporters that were on the committee uh, about court reporters transcribing these very challenging audio and video evidence uh, on appeals. The Supreme Court then, in 2018, November, issued an order directing both of our committees to come forward with potential recommendations, which we did. Let me first address our first recommendation, and that's the parties not be required by the district court to provide a transcript of the evidence as a prerequisite to its admissibility at trial. Currently, uh, three rules, 1110, 1208, and 2603, state that if an audio or video exhibit is offered at trial, the party may also provide a transcript. They may. They do not require a transcript. The rules do not require a transcription. However, the committee is aware uh, that various district court, of, of various district court standing orders throughout the state that do require transcription of audio and video exhibits as a prerequisite to the admissibility at trial. And this is contrary, in many instances, to Minnesota Statute 634.36, which states that audio and video evidence prepared by a peace officer using recording equipment in a vehicle or a body cam um, that that shall not be excluded uh, if a transcript is not procured at trial. The committee agreed that transcripts of 
audio and video evidence uh, may be helpful for appeals, but at trial, given the inconsistency in the practice, the district court standing orders, uh, the statute, uh, the committee believes that the transcription should not be required as a prerequisite to admissibility. Now, the County Attorneys Association and the Office of the State Public Defender and also the MSBA Criminal Law Section support this rule change. Uh, only the Judicial Council opposes uh, the change, and their position came out after we had submitted our report. The Council believes that district court judges should have the discretion to require that parties submitting audio and video evidence uh, include transcripts. This proposal submitted by the Judicial Council would essentially codify the current practices and the standing orders across the state. Now, the committee report, the committee's report, as well as the comments filed by the criminal law section, uh, do adequately articulate uh, our concerns uh, about uh, this. Uh, practitioners, there's a very high cost to practitioners, prosecutors, public defenders who have to prepare transcripts on a lot of cases that may never go to trial, most plea. And even those that go to trial, not all are, appeal, are, appell, are appealed. We also were concerned about the tight time frames in turning around uh, preparation of transcripts. You show up in trial, you got four cases, one's going to go to trial, now you need a transcript. If you haven't prepared a transcript in each of those cases, it may be very difficult to turn it around. So the committee respectfully disagrees with the Judicial Council's position uh, on the admissibility and recommends that the court adopt uh, our rule chains. Um, and I should remind the court that this, these are local rules. This is essentially uh, following the, uh, the local rule procedures that are across the state, as I indicated, are inconsistent. And those are local rules. They are not uh, part and do not, uh, that do not hold forth. The admissibility uh, of the evidence is really should be governed, we think, by a single rule. Now, I will admit, uh, and I don't have the committee uh, behind me here on this because we haven't discussed it, but I will acknowledge uh, as a district court judge myself, that there needs to be, that district judges need to address the admissibility of evidence. And there's a real challenge when you show up at trial and, or before trial, and the lawyers, the state, the defense say, we got a lot of audio, video, judge. We, we think it's all relevant. And the judge says, well, you know, what's relevant? You're the gatekeeper. And when the judges require a transcript, that's going to require the parties to focus their attention on what is really admissible, what they really need at trial. And so that's the reason district court judges do it. We do it in a second. They do it all across the state. I've done it myself. And we also want to protect our court reporters because if there's not a transcript, the current rule, which I'm going to get into in a moment, requires our reporters to prepare a transcript at the appeal. And we don't want them to be burdened with that. So we put it on the parties at the trial level. But so I understand the, I understand the judicial counsel. I'm a district court judge. I'm thinking, though, in our committee, I believe if we talked about this further, if we talked about it further, we could come up with better ways to address this. This is really using a transcript as a way to kind of, uh, as a, an admissibility tool. That's really, in, in our view and in my view, is not, not appropriate. There are better ways to do it. Maybe offers of proof, uh, motions in limine. You could have hearings before the trial that would flesh out this increasing amount of audio and video evidence that we see. I don't know if that would require a, a tweak of the rules of evidence, the criminal rules. We could think about that, but that would be the better way to do it as opposed to just a, a rule requiring that the transcript be provided. It's really, the judge wants to just know about invisibility and have a hearing about it. 
make the parties describe what they're going to introduce. So I think there are ways that we could deal with this short of what's being recommended by the Judicial Council. Next, I'd like to address the uh, committee's second recommendation, and, and this relates to Rule 2802, uh, Subdivision 9, and the issues regarding transcripts of audio and video exhibits uh, requested on appeal. Counsel, can I, or Judge, can I yeah. just um, uh, cut to the chase here on this? Why not simply say, get the court reporters out of this business entirely? Clearly say in the rule, the court reporter must not, that if there's going to be a transcript, it's all on the parties. Why not, why not just do that? Well, when our uh, committee was meeting, that was our initial recommendation. And we actually drafted up a proposal that would take the court reporters out. It didn't specifically say you cannot. Uh, we actually had some language that we had drafted which stated, and I quote, if a transcript is requested for appeal, the party who offered the exhibit at the district court is responsible for preparing the transcript and filing it with the district court within 30 days. A transcript need not be certified. We had concerns in our, in our initially our committee unanimously voted for that. There were concerns though by some members of the committee, primarily our, our public defenders, district level and the state public defenders. They wanted a transcript. We understood that's fine, you want a transcript, but who's going to do it? And they were concerned that if the court reporter, if the judge's court reporter is not preparing that transcript, if it's being prepared by the county attorney or the public defender or some pro se litigant that you know, it may not get filed on time. It may not be as good. They had concerns about the quality. They know what they have right now. They have a court reporter who, even though it's not certified, I can assure you, is going to do their best to work that transcript and present it. So members of our committee had concerns about that. So we tweaked our rule a little bit, and we said, it's up to the court reporter. If you want to do that, go ahead. If you don't, put it on the parties, and they can, uh, whoever's admitting, uh, you know, wanted it at trial. So we are getting, our rule is getting the court reporters out of the business, unless the court reporter themselves wants to do that work. That's a distinction from uh, what the Judicial Council is recommending. And quite frankly, you know, our initial thought on this was take them out of it. I mean, and isn't that what the court record work group was aimed at, was getting court reporter. I mean, when they weighed in on this issue, didn't they want to get court? I mean, you worry about the power relationship, right? So you, technically the proposed rule leaves it to the court reporter, but is that really what's going to happen if the judge says, court reporter, you need to do this transcript? You know, I suppose that's possible. We didn't, I can't, I don't think we really had that discussion at the, the court record work group, but that certainly would be a possibility. Um, and I think most court reporters in reality are not going to want to do this, and I know most judges don't want their court reporters to do this. Uh, my court reporter is here today. I thought this would be appropriate uh, hearing to come to if you're going to see a hearing. And, is your uh, court reporter making a transcript? <laughs> she's not making a transcript, and she will not make a transcript. <laughs> well, she will if you order it. Um, and I asked, I said, no, no, I don't really think I want to do that kind of work. Um, so we, as a fallback, originally we were going to keep them completely out of it. Our rule does really keep them out of it. It does make an exception. It's not quite as clear, not quite as direct as the, uh, as the Judicial Council's recommendation. But I think we're not really far apart in that. Judge Kyle, say more about why don't the court reporters want to do that kind of work. Tell, tell me more about that. For an audio, you know, a cam from a squad car or a, a body cam, which is a good chunk of what we're talking about here, um, it takes 15 minutes. It usually, for take a minute to do a transcript for a, what's happening in trial or at a deposition, it'll take 15 minutes for the reporter to do 
the same amount of work on that audio or body cam. It just takes a lot more time, 15 more time, 15 minutes more uh, generally. Uh, so it's burdensome. Um, they don't have to certify it. That's true. The real, current rule does not require certification, but I can assure you they, they, they prepare it just as if they were certifying it. I mean, that's, they're professionals. That's what they do. And so it's hard. It's very difficult to listen to. They don't like the inaudibles. And they're not as familiar necessarily with the, uh, the, you know, the, the transcript. They weren't in trial. They weren't a part of the deposition. They didn't have any control. When my reporter can't hear something, someone speaking, stop, you know, I'm, you know, reading a brief or looking at a site, and she says, stop, and uh, you can't do that with an audio cam in a squad car, and oftentimes it's uncontrolled, people are yelling, and it's, you know, it's often very, you know, tense, emotional. So it is something that they, they don't like doing, it's very hard, they don't feel they can do a very good job at it, and the best, you know, the best evidence is not the transcript anyways, it's the audio tape. I mean, when we, when we have an audio at a, in a criminal trial, we play it, we'll make the transcript. If the transcript is available, if one of the parties presented a trial, we'll hand it out to the, the jurors, and they have it. Yeah, but Judge, the, it is the audio or vi video itself that is the exhibit. The transcript is merely illustrative or demonstrative of what's the evidence in the exhibit. That's true, and we and we'll tell the uh, we'll give them a cautionary instruction that you've got the transcript. It's just it's not the uh, evidence. It's not it's not going to go back into the jury room. It's only going to be the tape. So you listen to that tape. If they come back later and want to listen to the tape, which they always do, every case I've had that you want to listen to the tape, and they come back into the courtroom, and we don't hand out the transcript again. They just said list listen to the tape, and then when they ask a second time, we said no. Um, that's a different issue, but. Um, yeah, you're right. That's the, the real evidence is the tape. It's not the transcript, but it is an aid, and especially an aid at, on appeal. I think many times the parties won't necessarily require a transcript or want to have a transcript, and, you know, just play the tape. But on appeal, our current rule requires that the reporters transcribe it. So at that point, you've got an audio, and they've got to prepare it. I'm sorry, I'm supposed to stay there. Uh, they have to prepare it. Um, and that's our current rule, which is why we're suggesting that that not be required anymore. Take the reporters out of it. Let the party, it's probably going to be the, uh, you know, the state who's, who moved to admit it. Right now, it's whoever's appealing, which is going to be Ms. Middlebrook's office, and that's the burden on them. We're changing the rule to suggest whoever wants it in, whoever introduced it at trial. That's usually going to be the prosecutors. And they're okay with that. They're okay with that because at the time you get to the trial, by the time you get to the trial, you know, it's a, it's a smaller world. It's not the world at the omnibus on the, you know, the cattle call on the first day of trial when the, each, you know, there are dozens and dozens of cases. They all get settled. Most of them get settled. By the time you get to the appeal, it's a limited group. So they're willing to take on, the prosecutors in our group are willing to take that on and all, and, in, in, because the cost is limited. And at trial, under our rule, you know, they can just, they're not required to, to make a transcript. And they're, that's a good trade-off for them. They're fine with that. My time's up. I'm happy to answer any more questions. Any other? I think we're good. Thank you. Okay, thank thank you, you, Judge Kyle, for your work and your, uh, all the members of the Rules Committee for their work. Um, next, we're going to hear from Judge Hallbrooks. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, may it please the court, Judge Kyle, all esteemed counsel here. 
My name is Jill Flaskamp-Halbrooks. I am the chair of the Civil Appellate Rules Committee. It's been my honor to chair this group for many years. This is my first appearance on behalf of this committee in front of this court. But we're here today uh, to discuss specifically the issue of whether the Civil Appellate Rules uh, should be amended to provide clarity on whether and how video and audio evidence should be transcribed. And the committee's recommendation uh, remains consistent with the reports we have submitted to the court. The committee does not believe that changes are required to the civil appellate rules. And before I get into the very specifics of the bases for that, uh, I just want to give you a sense of our composition and the procedures that we went through. Um, the court is probably aware, but we have a, a great committee filled with attorneys with diverse practice. We have uh, people from private practice who do civil work, who do family work. We have members of the attorneys from the public sector. We have uh, two other members, uh, judges on the Court of Appeals, who were district court judges before they went to the uh, Court of Appeals. And we've had Justice Hudson as our liaison, uh, David Herr as our reporter, and Patrick Bush as our staff attorney, both of whom are here today. Our ex officio members have been the Supreme Court Commissioner, um, Rita Coyle DeMules, our Court of Appeals Chief Staff Attorney, Cindy Lair, who is present as well, and the Clerk of the Appellate Courts, Anne Marie O'Neill, who is also here, of course. Our committee met twice in 2018 uh, to look at this issue and a couple of others. And we issued our first final report and recommendations to this court on October 1st, 2018. And at that time, we said uh, it was the committee's uh, feeling that Rule 110 is clear as written. And the bases were really that the rule as written distinguishes between testimonial and non-testimonial evidence. Court reporters are only required to transcribe and certify testimonial evidence such as video depositions, and only uh, transcribe that testimony that has not been previously transcribed. Court reporters are not required under the current rule to transcribe trial exhibits. And the committee took no position on whether the rule should, the criminal rule should be amended uh, because we felt that that was, of course, the separate matter for the criminal rules committee. And following our uh, report on October 1 of 18, then this court did ask the criminal rules to take a look at uh, their rules with respect to this issue. And of course, the criminal rules committee did that. After the criminal rules committee met, uh, a select number of us met with, I myself, uh, Patrick Bush, David Herr, met with Judge Kyle and Karen Jazuski, their staff attorney, to understand what their process had been and to see whether or not we felt that that would have any impact on what our committee's work would be. And uh, again, the civil committee as a whole reviewed the criminal rules and proposed amendments that they had. This time, uh, we did review by email. We did not meet in person. Uh, but the conclusion that we reported to your court on April 1, 19, 2019, was again, we felt no changes were necessary to Rule 110. And our principal grounds, in addition to those stated in the earlier report of the previous October, were the committee feels strongly that civil and criminal cases are different. And this issue is much more prevalent in criminal cases where they are dealing so frequently with body cams, squad videos, scales, interviews. 
Um, and the public defenders and the MSBA uh, criminal law section agree with the appellate rules committee with respect to that. They do see a difference between the civil cases and our criminal rules. These issues come up far less frequently in the civil cases. We also feel that the rule has worked well, the existing Rule 110, for 20 years. Um, the public comment period for this ran for two months, from April 25 of this year to June 25th, and it resulted in just one comment with respect to our recommendations. Uh, that was from, as I understand it, Judicial Council. It did not, our, during the public comment, there were no comments received from other attorneys, from other judges, or from members of the public. But the Judicial Council did uh, weigh in, and uh, as you know, they have proposed changes to the civil appellate rules as well as the criminal rules. Our committee uh, has not met since we received the proposed changes from Judicial Council. And so, under the circumstances, I find it difficult to speak on behalf of the committee, but I would uh, characterize our review that we did as very, very careful, and as chair, based on our uh, process through this whole period, I would offer the following comments to the court. The Civil Appellate Rules Committee unequivocally agrees that court reporters are not fact finders and they should not be the ones to resolve what is said in a recorded exhibit. Uh, no question about that. Court reporters should not be required to certify the accuracy of any transcriptions of non-testimonial evidence. And if there is an informal practice in some judicial districts to require court reporters to transcribe audiovisual exhibits, it is not authorized by the current rules and it is not endorsed by the Civil Appellate Rules Committee. The current rule, 110.02, does not require court reporters to transcribe exhibits or non-testimonial evidence, only testimony. And when you look at the issue of uniformity of rules, um, you know, the committee believes certainly that uniformity of rules across the state is very important, but not uniformity of the rules when it comes to distinguishing civil from criminal rules, because they do, as I stated earlier, address such different issues and frequency of uh, events. The Judicial Council's proposed changes to Rule 110 contain, as you know, the very mandatory absolute language, shall not. And this is, it shall not transcribe video or audio uh, exhibits for the court reporter. This is a concern um, for the committee, the Civil Appellate Rules Committee, because it eliminates a district court judge's discretion to have his or her court reporter involved in any way. So unlike you know, past practice, which we feel has worked well, uh, where a district court judge could ask his court reporter, her court reporter, to be involved transcribing something, this rule change, as proposed, would eliminate all discretion from district court judges. And a district court judge may very well feel that a transcript is necessary for effective proceedings at trial or on appeal, if there is an appeal anticipated of a civil case. And a district court judge may find a transcript very useful, of course, in making factual findings in family law matters or in uh, termination of parental rights cases or many other things. So a transcript is extremely helpful to the court in making those factual findings. 
And of course, transcripts are of great benefit to the Court of Appeals. We do get the exhibits. We do watch them when we prepare for uh, argument and disposition of cases. But in the circumstances with a long um, exhibit, it's very helpful to have a transcript to work from. In civil cases as well, there are many self-represented parties. And so our concern is that if the court reporters are removed entirely from the process, if the district court judges remain uh, without discretion to request help from their court reporter and there's a self-represented party, that self-represented party may be ill-equipped with uh, resources or knowledge to get a transcript made of a particular exhibit. And if then there is no transcript, of course, I think uh, everybody in the process does suffer. So I don't know what would happen in that instance where uh, it would be the responsibility would be on the self-represented party to get that transcript prepared and, and he or she simply doesn't do it. I just uh, wanted to make one comment too. The Judicial Council has suggested some proposed changes to the comment to the rule. And of course, the comment, their comment would be uh, if uh, the changes are adopted by your court. Um, my understanding that is with respect to the comments, of course, the comments are not the rule. They are simply there to uh, amplify or elucidate understanding for practitioners or judges. But the comments, as I always understood it, were made by the committees, you know, not by other sources. Um, and this comment was not written or adopted by the Civil Appellate Rules Committee, although if it were placed in the uh, rule, it would certainly imply that. And I think that the rule does speak for itself. I think this is a very simple but clear rule that has served its purpose well um, and does not require any kind of change at this point. So... Uh, happy to take questions, but uh, on behalf of the committee, uh, we feel that this is functioning well, that the existing language should remain. We understand, of course, this is your decision to make, and uh, we will certainly uh, work with uh, any changes that are made. Thank you, Judge. Thank you. Uh, next, we will hear from our state appellate public defender, Ms. Middlebrook. You have 10 minutes. Good morning. I'm Catherine Middlebrook, Chief Appellate Public Defender, and I'm here on behalf of the Board of Public Defense and the Appellate Office. Um, first of all, we are in agreement with the proposed amendments to Rules 11.10, 12.08, and 26.03, Subdivision 16. And that those proposed amendments will bring clarity and uniformity across the state regarding transcriptions being required or not being required as a prerequisite for admissibility of evidence. Um, that's also consistent with Minnesota statute 634.36. So we are in agreement with those amendments. Now on, regarding the proposed amendments to rule 2802 subdivision 9, we are in disagreement with that. Um, we do not feel that there is any need for a change to that rule. That rule has been in existence and worked well for over 20 years with no problems. 
as the court's well aware, the transcripts of audio and video exhibits are extremely important for an appeal. They are definitely a very helpful um, aid, but they also are really often the primary evidence in a trial. For instance, 911 calls, uh, statements of the defendant that may, may have a confession in there, um, statements of child uh, witnesses that are done at Corner House or Midwest Children's Resource Center. Those types of exhibits are extremely important and usually um, primary evidence in the criminal case. So as the rule has existed and it recognizes the importance of those transcriptions by its very existence and that the court reporters, if they're requested to transcribe those exhibits, that they must do those. Um, if there's already a transcript that's been done and it's been admitted into the record, the district court record, obviously the court reporter does not have to redo that transcript. That rule has worked and has worked really well. Um, there's been very few problems with that. And occasionally if a court reporter um, doesn't do the recording or refuses to do it, the Court of Appeals has issued orders requiring them to do so, and they have done them. Um, and that's, that's the existing practice. Those transcripts are also... Counsel, um, yeah. you mentioned both in your uh, letter and now that the Court of Appeals orders court reporters to do that. Could you cite a couple of examples? We took sort of a quick and dirty look at that and weren't able to find any such orders. I can't give the court names of cases. I, I could probably supplement that once I get back to the office and do a search on that. But um, there have been times where the court reporter has not done a transcription of an exhibit. We've, um, our office has filed a motion with the Court of Appeals uh, requesting that they be ordered to do that, and the court has issued those orders. But again, I, I'm sorry that I can't give you the exact case name or number on that. Um, but that has happened, and there has been um, no problem with that. The court reporter has done that. Another thing that has come up, um, obviously these body cams and the squad video seems to be the problem here. This rule has been, like I said, over 20 years, it has worked. And all of the, the, men, the things I mentioned that are these particularly video recordings um, often are... Um, you know, they would be very similar in the civil cases to a deposition that is shown because they are often testimonial. A, a defendant's interrogation by the police, we have one case in the office right now that that police interrogation is five hours long. That recording was played during the trial and the court reporter transcribed it as part of the trial record. No objection, no problem. And again, you can see where there's probably definitely a difference between those controlled um, question, you know, interrogations where they're in a setting that it's, it, things are audible, um, unlike the body cams. But in those situations, those transcripts are critically important for not only reviewing by the appellate counsel for issues and what, what to, uh, you know, what the facts are from those exhibits, but also I, you know, propose the, the appellate court also, it's very helpful. 
Um, this court knows when you're, you know, there's a challenge perhaps, you know, to whether a Miranda was given or whether a, a defendant's statement was voluntarily given, particularly at oral argument, questions are asked about what was said between the police officer and the defendant, and the court and counsel are referring to the transcription. They're not referring to the video and whatever the time frame is as far as citing what happened there. Um, Ms. So Ms. Middlebrook, if you could, so what, what in your view, though, is the downside to the proposed uh, change? What, what's the downside? The, the downside for, from our perspective on the proposed change is, well, first, that the rule itself works the way it is. Um, second of all, it's, it, it's very cumbersome. It's adding another layer here that is going to, I feels like it's going to open up a lot more problems, particularly for cases where the parties aren't going to do the transcriptions when they're requested by the court reporter. And what, what will the court, you know, what authority does the court reporter have? What, what happens if it's a pro se defendant that introduces a, a video recording? Or if the, the defendant had a private attorney at counsel, but no longer has any money for the appeal. So your point is if the court reporter exercises his or her option not to do the transcription and puts it back on, say, the pro se litigant, that it might not happen for a whole host of reasons. That's just one example. That's one example. And, and obviously, you know, that the, the proposed rule still will allow the, the transcription to be done. But it seems that there's a lot of questions and a lot more steps in there that, it, you know, who's going to file a motion for an extension if the party can't get it done in that 30-day window? Also, what happens if the public defender is out of funds for those transcriptions and it's their exhibit? Then is there going to be a delay to ask the district court for 611-21 funds to have the transcription done? And again, it's, so there's some of those concerns that um, that the proposed rule just adds to this where the existing rule works. And if there is the concern about the squad videos and the body cams, perhaps a more narrow rule could be crafted to address just that. And just what, those types. And counsel, what would that rule be? I'm not asking you to draft it as you're standing here, but what's the essence of uh, a redrafted rule that the uh, public defender's office would support? I'm, again, I don't know exactly how it would be crafted because you certainly want, wouldn't want a broad exception, but it may be that there is some narrowing of the rule regarding whether the uh, court reporter finds it, it's you know, inaudible, that it's too difficult to transcribe. Um, I will say that our office often talks to court reporters about such video recordings and exhibits and works out what it is we want. If there's a Q&A that's going on between the defendant and the police officer in that squad car after an arrest, that's what we ask for. Not all the background noise, not all the dispatch noise. Um, so we, we often but can narrow been, it down. I think what Judge Kyle was saying, though, is that court reporters are finding, you may, obviously you don't want all the background noise, but it's 
precisely because of all the background noise that makes these so difficult, and other things, that makes these um, uh, documents so difficult to transcribe and that there's a sense amongst many court reporters that they just don't want to wade into that uh, because they can't tell what's going on. I mean, has that been your experience, or what, what would you say to that? Well, and I don't know, I mean, this, the statute's been in effect for nine years now, the uh, 634.36, and we really haven't had a problem with the squad video or the body cams with having court reporters um, transcribe them, I mean, because they can say it's inaudible, I can't, under, you know, I, I can't transcribe it. That's, you know, that's all we, we ask. Um, I'm almost out of time, but I just wanted to point out that the Judicial Council's uh, recommendation is fundamentally inconsistent because on the one hand they want the district court to have discretion to have a transcription done because it's so helpful but yet on the appeal side where it's even more important and more critically um, helpful they don't so i just again would you know emphasize that our we don't see a need for a change and i'm out of my time thank you thank you council uh, mr Bushnell, we'll hear from you next for 10 minutes. Thank you, Your Honor. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I represent the uh, Criminal Law Section Council of the Minnesota State Bar Association. And just to briefly introduce us, the Criminal Law Section Council is uh, a voluntary membership subdivision of the Minnesota State Bar Association, so not everybody in the State Bar Association that practices in the area of criminal law is necessarily a member of the criminal law section. But, you know, we have several hundred members, and we try to represent the interests of people across the spectrum within the practice of criminal law. So our section council, um, which has over 20 members and meets every month, represents people from private criminal defense, uh, part-time public defenders, city attorneys, uh, we often have people who are from the county attorney's office on there. We've had people who are members of the court and also people who are um, practicing on rules committees and other organizations. So what I want to emphasize about the council is we try to make sure we're representing broadly the interests of people in the criminal law, not just coming from one part of the criminal justice system or one set of stakeholders. Uh, our comments, which we submitted in uh, June, were primarily concerned with uh, the proposal that transcripts should be required to be submitted when a recording is submitted as part of a trial. And as, as we, you know, canvassed opinion among people on the section council from all those different perspectives, there was serious concern by all of them that that's going to create a huge burden on their system. Uh, the, you know, the public defender's offices, obviously, city attorney's offices, adding the cost of producing a transcript to their budget is significant. I would also like to speak on behalf of private criminal defense clients and criminal defense attorneys. I personally have practiced private criminal defense for 13 years. I've also been a part-time city attorney during that time uh, for several cities. But most of my bulk has been, a uh, bulk of my work has been representing private criminal clients. And most of my clients, even though they don't qualify for the public defender, really cannot afford uh, additional costs. You know, the burden would be on them to provide a transcript it could cost several hundred dollars for some of these videos and recordings. And they are often borrowing on credit cards to pay my fee because they're desperate, because they need criminal defense representation. And one of the things that I think is beautiful about our system in ensuring due process is that when you're accused by the state of a crime, 
and you don't have a choice in that matter, you then have to try to mount your defense and do it out of your own pocket, there are no court costs associated with that. Counsel, I share your concern and we kind of go back to basics. Was Judge Kyle correct that the audio and visual uh, recordings are the evidence, the transcript is not the evidence? I think that's an accurate statement because it is very frequent, very common, that you're gonna play only a snippet of one of those. And it's what's being played at that moment in the court, uh, what's been authenticated by the police so officer. So a transcript of an audio or visual exhibit is a demonstrative or illustrative uh, document. It's not an, an admissible exhibit itself. Well, I think that's correct. For instance, it's not given to the jury. The jury is not entitled to see it. The jury is entitled to have the you know, pictures that are submitted at trial. They're entitled to have the map of someone's house or of an intersection. Um, anything that's admitted, they're given, but the jury is not given the transcripts, of, even if they're submitted along with the videos or audio. Thank you. And so, as, as we looked at it, we saw the need um, for transcripts potentially at the appellate level in these cases, and we understand the importance that that provides to ensure that what's on that recording has been preserved, but at the trial level, they're frequently not necessary. And so putting that burden in every district court case in order to try to you know, submit those transcripts along with submitting those audio or video recordings, I think would really be detrimental to the system on all sides. Fortunately, what we're talking about here is not something that's a one-time thing, where if you don't get that transcript submitted at the time that an audio or video recording is submitted, you've lost that opportunity. But these recordings are saved in evidence. They're saved with the district court file. If a transcript has to be made of anything, it can be made when an appeal is requested. But I actually agree with, um, with Judge Halbrooks and with um, Ms. Middlebrook that what we're talking about sometimes here are sections a court reporter could record as they're being admitted at trial. And does it really serve judicial economy and the economy of the courts to have someone have to put a transcript of an entire um, recording in when only five minutes of that recording may have been put at issue by one party or another, whereas the five minutes that is played at trial, that's what is being submitted as evidence by the state or the defendant that's offering that information. And having that recorded with the transcript created by the court reporter is enough to preserve that information. And if there's some issue later on, then that recording is there and on appeal, the party who is moving for appeal could bear the burden of producing a transcript of that entire recording if that became an issue. We recognize that this is an issue everybody's trying to solve, and it's an issue everybody's trying to figure out, make sure we have an accurate record of what happened. And you know, I, I understand that court reporters, having handled trials myself, frequently have trouble hearing what some people are saying. I think part of what the court can do here in directing a rule is that if there are court reporters who are having trouble hearing something, if they feel that this is not you know, really my job to transcribe this, it's on a video somewhere, I don't have to do this right now, then they're not going to interrupt and say, I'm sorry, I can't hear the video, which the jury frequently may be having the same problem and they're not necessarily gonna speak up and say that. So if the court directs that the district court does have the authority and discretion to have their court reporters transcribe these, the court reporters can address that when there's a problem with the quality and the sound quality of different videos and audio. But to reiterate what I said a few minutes ago, I think this is also an issue where 
maybe a transcript isn't necessary in the majority, you know, the vast majority of these cases because they're not appealed. And where they are appealed, if that's an issue, a transcript could be created at that time. And even the burden on the parties could be to say, okay, judge, here's what we played at trial. So here's, you know, time stops 1.07 to 1.177 on this recording. That's what we played. That's what should be transcribed. And then the court reporter would only have to transcribe that by the parties has been stipulated upon. If there are no other questions, then I will see the rest of my time. Thank you, counsel. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks to all our presenters. And I also want to particularly thank on behalf of the court, all the members and staff of these two rules committees for all their good and great work on our behalf. Um, these matters are submitted and we'll issue an order in due course. We are in recess. <laughs>